Welcome back to Project Badass Podcast. This is season two, episode one. And today we are going to talk about my tried and true method and guide for hiring talent in your business. So we talk a lot on this podcast about leverage and how that can come from hiring the right people, whether this be, you know, somebody on your sales team, maybe this is a virtual assistant that's helping you out with day-to-day tasks, whatever it may be, it's really important to make sure you're hiring the right person within your business. Because I can speak from personal experience that, well, making a bad hire costs a lot of money. And I wanted to tell you that story a little bit prior to getting into today's episode so you can understand just how much time and money is on the line if you were to make a bad hire. So sometime last year, I did hire someone to my team. I did hire someone to my team and I ended up not going through the steps that I'm going to outline today. I ended up cutting corners because I just needed help and I needed to hire someone fast. Well, she was only on our team for probably about six months, which was about three months too long, and you'll understand why a little bit later on this episode. And in those three months, after letting her go, I went back to determine about how much time and money I lost. And in those three months, after calculating the time spent with her, the money I lost physically revenue into my business, and the money that I could have earned as the business owner if I wasn't cleaning up her fires, I lost about $60,000 in just six months. And that was really, really painful. So take it from me as someone who has cut corners, who has not followed this tried and true guide to hiring and has made bad hires. And this isn't the only bad hire I've made in my career as an entrepreneur. So I'm hoping that you can take from my experiences and be able to implement into your business so you don't have to make the same mistakes as I do. So let's get started. You might have heard as I was telling that story that I wanted to teach you how to hire talent to your team. Now, when I say talent, I don't mean physically talented in whatever role they do, although experience can sometimes be very helpful. But when I talk about talent versus non-talent in a role, it means something else entirely, and I wanted to go over that with you. So let's talk about what is non-talent in a role. Well, number one, non-talent in the role brings you problems and complains. They don't fulfill your needs and ends up giving you pieces of the job back. They don't know what they want and they aren't searching for it. They require you to push them. They may not even know where the existing bar is set or even what bar you're talking about. They don't care who they spend time with and repels talent from them. And lastly, when they try to talk action and results, they can't keep it up. So as I'm sure everybody can relate to this as I list off those seven traits of non-talent in a role. I'm sure you've probably met somebody before that has those traits, or you've even hired somebody in your business before that had those traits. So let's talk about the opposite. What is talent in a role? Well, they find solutions. They share your goals and fulfill your needs as a natural byproduct of fulfilling their own. They know what they want, or they're actively searching to find out. They actually push you and are continuously raising the bar. They demand to be associated with talent and they attract talent to them. And finally, they talk the language of actions and results. So as we go through this guide to hiring, I think it's important to keep in mind the difference between talent and non-talent in a role. There is a very vigorous interviewing process to allow you to discover prior to even making a commitment with somebody as an employee or an independent contractor, if they are talent versus non-talent. That way you can avoid making bad hires. So let's get started. 
you're ready to sit down and you're ready to hire somebody to your team. Now, it's not just as simple as putting a job post out on Facebook and hiring the first one who completes the application. If you do that, you might luck out and find somebody great, but chances are you're going to find non-talent in a role and make that bad hire. So the first thing that you want to do is you're going to want to write a job description. Now, it seems very, very simple, but it's important to have a job description. That way, the people who are applying know what is expected of them, and you can clearly set expectations from the get-go. So I like to do job descriptions a little bit differently, and I'm actually going to include a link to a free template. You can download it from this link and just input and edit the information for your business. So the job description is going to have a couple things. Number one, it's going to ask you about your company. So this is going to be your mission statement, your values, what you stand for, and what your company does. The second thing is you are going to talk about the perfect fit for this role. So if you could pluck somebody out of thin air and find the perfect person to fit that role, who would they be? Now, when you fill this out, I want you to fill this out in third person as if you are explaining this person to a third party. You know, this role has great communication skills with experience in the real estate business. They also know how to use Google Drive at a high level and they have a great attitude when it comes to coaching and working with other people on their team. That's just an example, but I'm using third person. So we're going to describe who is the perfect fit for this role. Now, the reason that this is important is because when a candidate gets this job description in hand, they should be able to clearly identify with that perfect fit and say, yes, that is me. On the other hand, if you've already done the work to outline what the perfect fit for this role looks like when you are interviewing candidates and going through this process we're going to talk about today, you should be able to say clearly, this person is the description that I wrote on this job description or they're not. The third thing you're going to put on your job description is a task description. So this is going to be the main things that they're going to be responsible for in this role. Now, as you'll see on this template, these tasks are separated into two parts. You have your 20% tasks and your 80% tasks. Now, why do we separate in that? Well, it goes back to the 80-20 rule that we've talked about on this podcast time and time before. The 80-20 rule is that 20% of your actions equal 80% of your results. So your 20% tasks are going to be the most important things on the job. So for example, if you are hiring them to do social media, Their 20% tasks should be content creation, posting on social media, and engaging with people on social media, whether that be clients through direct messages, and engaging with followers on social media, whether that be through direct messages, replies to stories, comments, whatever that looks like. So that's just an example of what your 20% tasks are. Now, you're going to still have those 80% tasks. These are still important, but they are not done until those 20% tasks are taken care of. And honestly, they're just not as important. So in the social media world, that could be, let's say, for example, a 20% task in the social media world is organizing your content within your Google Drive folder. It's important to have that done, but it's not as important as actually creating the content. So you're going to create your task description in this job description. It's going to have your 20% tasks and it's going to have your 80% tasks. Now, a lot of my clients seem to think that they have to outline every single thing that this person is going to do within their job. And that's not the truth. This should really just be an overarching view of what their jobs are with the most important things outlined. 
And when you're having that expectation conversation with this candidate, which we'll talk about later on, you can explain that this is an overview and a good look of their job description, but we may as the owner or as a leadership team, ask them to do other things down the line. And within that task description, after you complete the 20% and the 80%, you're also going to complete your communication expectations. So who do they communicate and on what frequency? So for example, if they're a social media manager, they might communicate with the CEO or their superior on a daily basis. They might communicate with followers that engage with your social media as needed. They might communicate with the sales team on a weekly basis. You know, maybe you have a supervisor for them that they meet weekly and do coaching one-on-one, but they only come to you as the CEO on an as-needed basis. So think about those expectations. So the candidate has a very clear expectation of who they're expected to communicate with. The next thing under this task description is going to be experience or qualifications, whether they're preferred or required. So let's say, for example, for just running with the example of social media manager, it is absolutely required for them to have a high school diploma, and it's required for them to have an associate's degree in social media management, and you would prefer them have two years of social media management experience. You might also prefer that they have a couple years experience in content creation or a couple years experience in customer interaction, and these could be preferred or required. So think about the qualifications or the experience that is important to this role, whether it's required and absolutely they have to have it or if it's preferred. And then the last thing you're going to have on your job description is, of course, the compensation. Now, I'm an advocate for compensating your candidate based on their experience, but there's no harm in putting a starting wage or salary or commission, whatever fits for this particular role, and then you can possibly increase that depending on experience. In this portion, you could also talk about if they're going to have any sort of benefits, whether that's insurance, paid time off, paid sick time, paid vacation time, if they get bonuses. You know, you can also outline here that they may not be eligible for those bonuses until they get through their 90-day trial period, which we are going to talk a little bit later. So feel free to add whatever you want here, but I'm a really big advocate for pricing people based on their experience. Okay, so just a reminder that job description template is free and it is in the show notes here. So you have to do is click on that link and download it and you can start editing it. So number two, after you get this job description done, you're, well, you're going to post the job online because nowadays in 2022, that is where everybody is looking for jobs. So I really like WiseHire. It is paid for. Unfortunately, I do not believe they have a free version. But my second option for you would be Indeed. They do have a paid version, but I have always used the free version and it's been just fine. But ZipRecruiter and Facebook are great as well. I would typically say post it on a few different platforms and don't forget the power of sharing it organically through your social media or with your sphere of influence. Just avoid maybe the complication of hiring friends or family, but you can make that decision on your own. I really like to let my sphere of influence know, my organic social media know that I'm hiring for a specific position, but I'm still also going to be posting on Wise Hire, ZipRecruiter, Facebook, Indeed, or wherever else you might be posting your jobs. So when posting online, I actually require them to submit more than just a resume and fill out the application. It's easy to just, you know, attach a PDF you've had created and you're sending to every single job you're applying for and fill out a couple of generic questions about yourself, but it doesn't really show if they're talent or non-talent. 
here are some steps that I actually require every candidate that applies to go through. So number one, I'm gonna have them submit a resume and you'll see why later. It's a pretty basic thing. Every job that you applied to, I'm sure you've had to submit a resume, but we actually do something with that resume in this guide to hiring. Number two, I'm going to have them answer a few job specific questions. So let's use the example of the social media manager. Question number one could be, what previous experience have you had as a social media manager? Question number two could be, what's your biggest win that you've created for a client as a social media manager? I want to hear if they've created a TikTok that went viral and added 5,000 followers to their client's page, whatever that might look like. Question number three is going to be, what is your biggest challenge when working as a social media manager? And number four, I always like to ask this question because it really shows me if they're talent versus non-talent in a role. What does growth in this position look like to you? We need to hire people that are growth-minded because if they're not growth-minded, like we talked about at the beginning, they're not going to raise the bar. They're not going to continue to push forward. And in reality, they're going to require pushing from you. So I like to come up with some very job-specific questions and have them answer those. After that, I also have them submit a behavioral assessment. So this is, sometimes I get a little bit of pushback from clients on this, but hear me out. And I also mean this as like a personality assessment. So the one that I really like to use is the DISC profile. I believe I've talked about it before on this podcast, but what the DISC profile is, is it is a, I want to say it takes like 15 minutes to complete. It's free for you and the candidate and they answer questions about themselves and it shows you how they operate in a working environment. How do they work with others? Are they emotionally or fact based on their decision? All of these things are really important to know. So brief overview of DISC so you're just aware if you decide to use this. DISC stands for obviously D-I-C-S and each one of those letters, they stand for a different personality. Now, most personalities have, or now usually everybody will have a main disc and a sub disc. So I'm gonna use mine as an example. I am a DC. Now, if we break down what each of those personalities are, we have D, that stands for dominance. So these are your pushers, they're your go-getters. Typically they're your natural leaders. They move very quickly. They're not super focused on the details. They just wanna get to the finish line. Your I is your influence. Now your influencers, these are the people that love to talk. They get energized by others. They love to network and they're good at it. These are the people that are going to have a lot of followers on social media because they interact with their audience all the time. This S stands for stability. So these are the people that they want to have stability financially in their work life, in their personal life. These people are going to value work-life balance a lot more than say a D. And S's, they really want to know what to expect. They're going to show up on time. They're going to leave and they're going to, you know, they're great. They're going to go above and beyond and they're going to do, you know, everything in their power to make sure every box on that job description is checked. Now, something else about an S is sometimes they can be a little bit pessimistic, which hear me out. This isn't a bad thing because if you're a high D like me, you're naturally optimistic. And sometimes you need people in your organization that say, Madison, that sounds great. I love your optimism, but what about this? It's honestly great for business. And then the last one is C, which stands for conscientious. And these are our detail-oriented people. So they are going to need everything detailed out. They're going to want to really focus on making sure all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. These people are perfect in admin roles, whether they are handling contracts or paperwork. They're going to be really great making sure those details are taken care of. So now that we have a brief overview of the DISC profile, 
how does this relate to actually hiring somebody? Well, for example, I am a DC. So if I was applying for a job and a employer required me to complete the DISC assessment, and I did, and they saw that I was a DC, I might tell them a couple things. I'm going to push really hard. I'm going to be very dominant. If they put me in a group to complete a project, I naturally like to rise to the top to be the leader of it. I really like to move fast and get to the finish line really quickly. You know, So being in sales, that's really, really great because I'd want to get them to the finish line. Now, the C part of me also says that I'm very focused on details and I want to make sure that everything is taken care of so we're not dropping the ball on anything. Like I said, conscientious. So I always, always recommend to get a behavioral assessment of some sort as this can really help you see how a candidate would work in, see how a candidate would fit in in the workplace. And those are the three things that I have every person that is applying to my job post online go through. Now, I do not reach out to the applicant until they have completed all of the steps we discussed above. And the reason why is because if they're not willing to go above and beyond and complete the three simple things that I ask them to do, they're probably not talent in the role. So why waste our time on somebody who's not going to work out anyways? But let's say they get through all of this, the DISC personality is great, they have a great resume, they've answered the questions, and you might have a potential candidate. Well, I'm going to have the five steps to your interview process. Now, like I said at the beginning, I know this is lengthy and you're like, Madison, you're going to have these people sit through all of this. Yes, because we don't want to make a bad hire like Madison did. (laughs) We don't want to make a bad hire like I did and lose time and money. And, you know, it's just a waste of your time, honestly. So once you have a potential candidate, we're going to follow the next five steps. So number one is conduct a resume review. So like I mentioned above, we're going to have them submit a resume, but we're not just going to look at it for 10 seconds and then throw it away. What we're going to actually do is we're going to conduct a resume review. Now, there is a document attached in the show notes. You can download this as a freebie, and it actually is questions to ask during your resume review. Now, you get on the phone with the candidate resume in front of you as soon as they complete all of the questions on your online job posting, and you go through these questions. Questions like, what was your favorite thing about this job? What was your least favorite thing about this job? What was your favorite thing about your supervisor? What was your least favorite thing about your supervisor? And then why did you leave? This is going to tell us a lot about their mindset. Are they blaming everything on everybody else? Did they leave because they are willing to, you know, take constructive criticism and work on their skills within the role? Do they have a victim mindset? I mean, all of these things are really important to know. So we're going to conduct a resume review. And then the second thing that we're going to do is we're going to call and check references. Again, never let you guys down because there's a freebie in the show notes for the questions you want to ask when you call these references. Now, this is going to feel really, really tedious, but I want you to go three levels deep when you're doing these reference checks. Now, what do I mean by that? I call up their last boss, Susie Joe, and I ask him these questions. And I'm betting you because they put Susie Joe on their resume as a reference that Susie is going to have some great things to say about them, which is great. But then I'm going to ask Susie for somebody else that I can call to get a reference check on for this applicant. And then I'm going to ask the same questions to the person that Susie recommends me. And then I'm going to ask the second person for a third name to call and do a reference check. Now, three levels deep. What this is doing is they're only going to put people on their resume that are going to give them a good review. And we don't want to go out there and search for the bad, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that they're talent in the role so we're not wasting our time. So go three levels deep on your reference check. And again, that freebie is linked in the show notes. 
Now, number three is have them shadow you on the job. So whatever it might be, have them shadow you because you want to make sure that they can fit into the culture. You want to make sure that they have what it takes to work in your environment. I've had a lot of people job shadow me to sell real estate and they said, you know what, Madison, thank you so much for letting me shadow you for the day. But I realized that I am not interested in doing what it takes to be successful in this business. I think I could do it, but it's just not what I expected. So I appreciate the opportunity and we parted our ways. Now it sucked because I lost a potential applicant, but at the end of the day, I knew they would have never made it through the first 30 days anyways. So why would I hire them and waste my time and making that hire? Now, notice how you are doing all of these things before you even have that initial interview. Well, that's because we want to make sure you're not wasting your time. You really want to do all of your due diligence. I mean, step one and two, reference check on resume review, you can do on the phone. They're going to shadow you on the job, which you're already going to be doing that day. And then finally, if they get through one through three, you are going to actually conduct an in-depth interview. And this is going to be very specific to you. So I sit down with my clients and I help them come up with interview questions for this, but you're just going to have to figure out what's important to you because every business is going to be very different. Assuming that they pass the in-depth interview, the last one, if applicable, if you're a solopreneur, this isn't going to be something you're going to have to worry about. But if you have a team, I really recommend doing a culture interview. So what a culture interview is, is it's not a qualification interview, but you're going to have the candidate sit down with your team without you there and you're going to have them interview them to make sure they're part of the culture. So this is not to ask them if they're qualified to do the job. It's to ask them if they're going to fit into this culture. And typically I do like to assign, you know, somebody from my team, whether it's maybe someone higher up on the leadership team or in a role or my director of operations to kind of lead this interview. And then everybody can pitch in with their own questions. All right. So like I said, guys, this is a very long and tedious process, but it is so, so worth it to make sure that you are not making a bad hire. So the last thing that you want to do is once you've found that person, that person that you want to hire, they fit everything, their talent in the role, it's time to make an offer. So schedule an in-person meeting for them to come in and you're going to present the offer of the contract. And this is going to outline any further expectations on the job. You're going to in-depth review the job description with them. They should have seen it already at this point, but you're going to go over everything. This is also when you're going to have that conversation of this is just an overview of your tasks, but we may ask you to do other things in the future. And then of course, to go over compensation. Now, depending on your role and everything, you may have some negotiations back and forth on compensation and benefits or bonuses, whatever that might look like. And then once you have a signed contract, you're going to have an expectation conversation. I typically like to do this in the same meeting and the expectation conversation is going to cover a few different questions. Number one, how do I, as the employer, like to be communicated with? Whether it's just in general, if there's an issue, if there's a sensitive topic, this is how I'd like to be addressed and vice versa. I want to know how my candidate and my new employee would like to be communicated with in all of those different scenarios as well. Second question, I always like to review, this is what success looks like in a role. And this is what failure looks like in a role, having those expectations, because if you have to sit down and say, you know, hey, employee, you were doing a great job in your first 90 days, but based on our conversation of what success looks like in a role, you are not hitting points one, two, and three. Let's talk about how I can help you improve. So I like to have all of those questions, have them sign the contract, and then congratulations, you just hired your employee. Now, I want to talk a little bit about a bonus thing I wanted to add into this episode, and I want to talk about your employee's first 90 days on the job. I always recommend to my clients that they put their employees on a 90-day probationary period. 
So this is going to include specific targets that they have during their training. It's going to include reoccurring, probably weekly would be my recommendation, coaching and feedback. And then every 30 days, I would also recommend that you sit down and have a review with them. Are they hitting their goals? How do they feel about it? Is it still what they want to do? So remember, you date before you marry, right? And the same goes for when hiring an employee. Hire each candidate on a 90-day trial so that you can date them prior to marrying them. And you can't see me on the other side of this microphone, but I'm using quotations because people show up their best in the first 60 days. And we really want to make sure that we are dating these employees. And again, in quotations, prior to, in quotations, marrying them to make sure that, that they have what it takes to fit in the role, that they are talent in the role, and that most importantly, that they like it too, because nobody wants to have employees on their team that doesn't want to be a part of what you're doing. So I hope this helps, guys. I am going to link all of these freebies in the show notes down below. Let me know if you guys have any questions. Again, if you're interested in talking about this in specific, I would love to talk to you about coaching as I do work with all of my clients in specific to develop, you know, what questions am I going to ask during my in-depth interview? What questions should I have my team ask during a culture interview? What does a contract for employment look like? All of these things are things that we can talk about. So I hope this helps guys and I will talk to you next week. 